Welcome to From the Spot, the first podcast to admit that we do not want to trade shirts with you because we prefer your sister. Welcome to From the Spot. Uh, we have risen because it's after Easter and we're finally doing an episode. <laughs> Uh, I'm good, Eddie. How you been? Good, man. Uh, I have a new job. I haven't started yet, but excited. What about you? What's going on with you? Uh, back, back from the dead, Eddie. Between health concerns, work concerns, and general concerns, I think we're finally at a good spot to drop a new from the spot episode. Um, Eddie, we have so much to talk about this week. Uh, why don't we start uh, right away and real quick before we jump into the football, David? I just want to complain really quickly, David. It's April tenth and it's already fucking hot. Ah, in case you guys are listening from a place that actually has good weather, we in Southern California, in particular the Coachella Valley, had our first triple digit day. It was officially 100 degrees plus in the valley. So if you're not suffering through this, you can absolutely go fuck yourself. And 100%. I am putting that on wax. Yes, sir. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd like to add that I'm losing weight. So it's I'm, I'm not just melting on weight because I'm, I'm a fat piece of shit. I'm like, I'm trying to lose weight. So it, it's not like I'm just out here being fat and like sweaty for no reason, you know? Right. But, Eddie, let's talk about something sweaty. Let's talk about something hot. Let's talk about the Leicester managerial job that was left super fucking sweaty after your boy, Jesse Marsh, turned them down, saying they don't have a good championship plan, which led to a ton of fans just coming after the team, saying they're actually preparing themselves to go down rather than focusing on staying up. Um, Eddie, you brought this to my attention, but at least some time of recording on this day, uh, Dean Smith has been hired to lead Leicester into the end of the season, uh, which, again, at time of recording, these are the final eight games. Eddie, knowing Dean Smith and the work he's done, in particular at Aston Villa, which was his impressive run, do you think that... Lester, in a sense, I, I, I'm not, I don't mean this to be demeaning to Jesse Marsh, but in a sense, do you think Jesse Marsh turning them down is dodging a bullet because now they got Dean Smith and he might be able to do some wonders? Uh, yes, and it, it's not that I don't want Jesse Marsh to have another job somewhere because I, I do, but the, the thing is, is like if leads go down everybody's going to blame Jesse Marsh. Now, if he had taken the Leicester job and both Leicester and Leeds go down, that's two teams that that you relegated in one season. That's impressive in the wrong sense. You feel me? And, like, okay, Dean Smith's teams may not score a lot, but they also don't concede a lot when... They're fully bought in, so 
And at this point, David, just take a look at the bottom six or seven, and four points can make a huge difference. So it's not that he, like, even has to win, like, five or, like, four games. He just has to get four points and then pray. And, like, like Lester could be safe. You're on to something, Eddie, and there is an argument to be had that you have to have a feel-good kind of camp, a feel-good environment in order to bring Lester back from the ashes. Um, a little nod towards this that maybe maybe Dean Smith is the right appointment uh, in regard to let's bring the, the good back is that he is bringing Craig Shakespeare back to Leicester. And if you don't know who Craig Shakespeare is, he was the assistant to, excuse me, Nigel Pearson when they survived and to Claudio Ranieri when they won the whole thing, when they won the league and that miracle run season. Um, of course, he has his, you know, usuals, you know, John Terry is coming with him, Adam Sadler, who's currently at City, um, as is Mike Stoll. So he, he's bringing good characters in, except for John Terry, of course, because he probably fucked somebody's wife. But, <laughs> but with this in mind, Eddie, are would you, if you were a Leicester fan, let's say you were one of the Foxes, Eddie, would you be quietly optimistic about this uh, signing of this appointment? Sorry, or are you still holding your breath? Look, and. The- this isn't intended to be a shot at Jesse Marsh, but if it comes off that way, I kind of don't care. But if someone who needs a job in the Prem and Lester's thinking about giving you a shot and you say no, that means you're not the man for the job. So, um, I mean, Dean Smith is proven, you know, he had his good and his bad at Villa. I'd say 60-40, bad to good. So, I mean, and look, Lester has 27 points. Or, no, I'm sorry. Lester has 25 points. Leeds and Everton have 29 and 27, respectively, in 17th and 16th. So, one win could, at least for the moment, get you out of 19th depending on Everton and Leeds. So, I mean, (laughs) I trust Dean Smith to at least get four or five points, David. What about you? I I mean, you're you're not wrong. It's something that's doable. It's something a team like Leicester, at least recent Leicester, you would kind of expect them to. I mean, they play Manchester City next, one of the most informed teams in the league, but let's just get over that. They also play Wolves, Leeds, Everton, uh, you know, West Ham, very winnable games. You know, Fulham might be hit or miss, maybe a draw. Liverpool, Newcastle are really the only like consistent, strong teams. And even then, Liverpool is not consistent. No. So I think it's it's... It's something that's achievable, but Eddie, let's touch a little bit on on Jesse Marsh before we move on to the next part of this topic, because it'll tie in, and I want to talk a bit about something. He also turned down Southampton, 
<clears throat> um, could it be a confidence thing that Jesse Marsh is suffering from that maybe is like, oh, maybe I don't actually cut it for the Premier League. It's too competitive. Or should we be looking at Jesse Marsh as a manager that's doing the right thing by being picky on what his next job would be? Um, I'm going to say, um, I think he is cut out for the Prem. Uh, so I, I know I just bashed him for like not having the balls to take on the Leicester job, but think about it. Whatever job Jesse Marsh gets, he's already behind the eight ball because he's from the U.S. You know, take that however you will. Some people will always look at a player or a a manager from the United States and kind of be like, yeah, I don't know. And okay, (laughs) be it through injury, bad tactics or whatever, he failed at Leeds. So you can't afford to fail again, you know. And Southampton, I get because as much as we both love James Ward-Prowse, like, they're the one team that, I mean, technically, they still have a shot to get out of the bottom three. But out of everybody close to the bottom three, like, you would think they're the team that's definitely going to go down, right? It feels like it, and we may be seeing um, JWP, James Ward-Prowse out of Brentford, maybe a Crystal Palace soon after relegation. Um, I can even see him going up as high as Aston Villa or Tottenham. But, um, Eddie, I wanted to bring up Jesse Marsh and Leeds in particular because it does directly tie into the next manager I want to talk about. Um, Leeds got destroyed by Crystal Palace 5-1. Their matches since the sacking, I mean, they haven't really gotten any better. Uh, I believe they got sacked right before playing Man United. And we ended up drawing 2-2. Then we won 2-0. Leeds lost to Everton 1-0. Barely scraped by Southampton 1-0. Knocked out of the FA Cup by two goals. Chelsea beat them. One of the most inconsistent, hard-to-score kind of teams. Drew against Brighton. And, you know, mixed results from there with um, two wins and two losses and two big losses, a 4-1 to Arsenal and the recent 5-1 to Crystal Palace. So not much of an improvement per se. Kind of makes me feel like maybe Jesse Marsh did get it the shit end of the stick. Um, getting criticized as much as he did. But Eddie, enough of the criticism of Jesse Marsh, who probably, probably not, I guess it depends on your perspective, uh, that he deserves it. The point here, Eddie, is Roy Hodgson at 75, turning the fortunes around of Crystal Palace. And before I let you have your piece, Eddie, I'm going to throw a couple stats at you because as we, we both know, I'm a fan of numbers. I'm a fan of statistics. My employees will tell you that and say, yeah, David's fucking crazy. And he'll throw percentages at you that you never even knew you wanted to know. But two stats, Eddie. In the last two games since Roy Hodgson has returned, they've scored seven goals. That is as many goals scored in the previous 15 games. That's one stat. The second stat 
and honestly i think it's the most damning one and it's it's crazy because we would think patrick Vieira, you know great uh player he's going to become a great tactician one day under patrick Vieira in 2023 they earned five points that's in insane. two games under Roy Hodgson, they've won six points. Uh, a, a manager criticized for his old school ways, for not playing great football. This is what he's done in a couple games. I'll let you have your piece, but first answer me this, Eddie. Roy Hodgson, underrated or underutilized? Underutilized, I I guess because, um, remind me again, who was Roy Hodgson the manager of, like before Palace? Didn't he have the England job? Uh, I believe he was at Walford. He he at one point did have the England job. He did, but but, but I think immediately before. For I believe, and I'm verifying this right now, Eddie. I believe immediately before he was at Watford, uh, and yeah, he was at Watford immediately before he coached England between 2012 and 2016. Yeah, re- re- remember Iceland? Look, I, I, I just, I just don't know because how, how do you sack Patrick Vieira when he's on his way to training, and then it's like, okay, all right, like. He has some major injuries, but hey, it's your club. If you want to sack him, sack him. But then you hire the guy he replaced, managerial merry-go-round, which we're going to talk about at fucking Bayern and fucking Chelsea because they're they're just replacing everybody with their fucking ex-managers and shit. I, I just don't get it. You know? Like, okay, maybe Patrick's not the guy for the job, but... I just, I want to be in that boardroom and be like, how, like, how did we come up with Roy Hodgson and be like, the guy, the guy we fired like a year and a half ago, <laughs> he's the guy, you know? Oh, Eddie, and you know what? I'm not going to dwell too much on Roy Hodgson because you asked the perfect question, Eddie. Why don't we... Skip a little bit. Let's talk Frank Lampard being Chelsea manager in January of 2021. He gets the sack for Thomas Tuchel, who, in my opinion, very humble opinion, Thomas Tuchel is one of the best tactical managers of our generation. Tuchel was then sacked and replaced by Graham Potter in 2022. Uh, right around the September, right October, the of September, oh. October. Yeah, he got uh, Tuchel gets the sack, and as we all know, uh, yeah, uh, Grand Potter has been sacked and has returned, or sorry, and Frank Lampard has returned as the caretaker manager for Chelsea until at the very least the end of the season. And, Eddie, before I let you take over, I know you have something to say. Keep in mind, this is the same Frank Lampard that has placed Everton where they are right now, facing a relegation battle before he was sacked 
and now he's at the pinnacle of the game, getting ready to manage a Champions League t- uh, quarterfinal. A quarterfinal. So, something that even Mikel Arteta can't brag about with as much as he's getting this Arsenal team to click this season. Eddie, share your thoughts. Uh, David, r- remember when I texted you when, when the news dropped? I was like, I was like, how the fuck is it lapsed? <laughs> like, Bully Bo- spent all this money on paper, builds a great squad. Uneven, of course, but great squad still. Like, be be honest, David. Would you take Endo Fernandez at Manchester United? Absolutely, honestly, I would. Yeah, uh, he he would help make a difference. And you know, Mudrick, we he still needs. I say we give Mudrick like another twelve, thirteen games, and then we have enough of a sample size to be like, okay, you're either overhyped or underused or whatever. So Chelsea has players that any manager would dream of. And you give it to Frank Lampard, like I I don't understand what Todd Bowley is doing. Like it does Todd Bowley just have a magic eight ball in his office, and like he just asks it stupid fucking questions, and then like the magic eight ball is like a uh, future cloudy ask again later, and then he comes back to it in like five minutes, and then he's like, should I hire Frank Lampard? Absolutely. Fucking call <laughs> Well, shit, Eddie, like, to touch on your Mudrick question, I think the only thing wrong with Mudrick is that he joined Chelsea. Uh, based on what I've seen from him, I and, and it hurts to say this because, again, they're clicking, they're high-flying this season. I do think he would have done a job at Arsenal. Right. Now, at the same time, I think Arsenal ended up winning in the situation for paying less for Trossard, who had an immediate impact. So, Bowley doing every, uh, Arsenal a favor and everybody who wants to see City fail a favor by making sure that they got the better, bigger bang immediately. Because I don't think Modric would have hit the ground running the way Trossard has. And not to say that he would never hit the ground running. He just needed time to adapt. But Eddie, since he took over, they managed a nil-nil against Liverpool, which, touching back to previous points, is probably the most inconsistent team in the Premier League right now. And then they lost 1-0 to Wolves. Although I don't think they'll get regulated, Eddie. I think Frank Lampard will do his fucking best to try to get them regulated. Or you know, do you have any hope for Chelsea under Lampard? Let's just say this, David. Let's go back to the beginning of, of this season. David, would you have believed me if back in August of 22, right, I would have told you, hey, David, uh, an early April Chelsea v. Liverpool game, would be the mid derby, like like both teams don't matter. They don't have any chances of doing anything significant. Would would you have believed me that both teams would have been mid? Like absolutely, like not 
bad enough to get relegated, not good enough to make the Champions League type of fucking mid. I I wouldn't have believed you, Eddie. I mean, I wouldn't even have believed that Tuchel would have been sacked. Oh, to be honest, I think again, I will reiterate this just one more time. Tuchel is the best tactician of our generation. Uh, he deserves more credit than what he's currently getting. Uh, I know our, we're currently talking about manager Mariko rounds. You know, he took over Bayern from Nagelsmann. Uh, and I think not anything against Nagelsmann, but we're talking about a superior tactician. Uh, I think that's going to end up benefiting Bayern the long term. No, no. Uh, I, I agree with your point. He is Tommy Tactics. But we have to talk about this, David. When Nagelsmann is sacked, they're one point back in the league. They've beaten PSG. So I'm not buying, oh, the players didn't like him. You're buying Munchen. You're bigger than your players. I'm sorry. They have great players. Muller, um, Sané, um, Nabry, all them boys. All them boys can ball. I'm not saying that. But I'm not buying... The players didn't like Nagelsmann. Something's there. I don't know what it is, and I hate that he got fired. Now, now, okay, Tuchel did come in. There was a dirt classicer, and they fucking destroyed Dortmund. That's not the point. But how do you beat PSG, hold them scoreless over two legs? You're one point back. It's not like you're Real Madrid. You're not 12 points back. This league isn't over. What did Nagelsmann do that deserved getting the sack? I don't think we're going to get a clear-cut answer for that question, Eddie. But one thing that I do want to put out there is Nagelsmann doesn't exactly lose anything here. He's still one of the most sought-out managers, not just for today, but to for the future. He's super young. He's shown that he's tactically uh you know and there he, he understands the tactics and can implement tactics to you know fight other tactics and he's not hurting for jobs he's being linked to chelsea he's being linked to you know spurs psg and a piece of me kind of hopes he goes to psg just so that he can prove his point and take them to a champions league semi-final if not a final Okay, David, let me play devil's advocate here, though, right? Okay. Okay, so Bayern is on the Real Madrid side of the draw. Meaning, let's be real. Frank Lampard's Chelsea isn't beating Real Madrid over two legs. I'm not having that. So go ahead and put Real Madrid in the semifinal. And then Bayern have... Man City? Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's say let's say Thomas Tuchel does it. He get, he beats Pep. And then by hook or crook, um, Bayern Munich gets to a final. And let's just say they get there against Napoli and they are the fucking dream killers and they kill Napoli's dream and fucking 
um, you know, beat Napoli in, in a final. Thomas Tuchel would steal Nagelsmann's Champions League victory. I'm I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility here. You, you know what I'm saying? And and okay, look, Grant is Grant Potter not at least a decent manager? Oh, I think he's more than decent. Okay, so I'm not going to Chelsea because. I don't know what type of shit Bully's running. I'm definitely not going to Tottenham because I'm a fucking winner and I'm not. I'm I'm not going to sit there for two seasons and let fucking Daniel Levy Daniel Levy hold me back from winning a trophy. So, um, I I mean you're right. He's not hurting for jobs. Okay, and then let's talk PSG. What if Messi leaves? What if Mbappe says, I'm out? What do you have at Paris then? Yeah, yeah that's that's an excellent point. Um, I, I just kind of do want to see Nagelsmann succeed somewhere uh, just to continue his trajectory. You know, I, I'm a fan of young managers making their way, but... Eddie, I don't want to dwell too much on managers. Do you have any other things you want to bring up for this yes. topic? Yes, I do, David, because it happened this weekend while you were fishing, and I wasn't paying attention, but we have to fucking talk about it, David. David, um, have you heard what happened at Tottenham v. Um, Brighton and Hove Albion? I think... If I am on the same page, we're talking about um, Mitoma got got uh, fouled. No penalty was called. No VAR, but the refs had to eat their shit and admit that they uh, made a mistake and they should have been given a, ben- a penalty. You're close, David. You, there was... That that was a part of it, but there was manager beef, David. Um, Stellini from Tottenham, Italian. Uh, Deserbi from Brighton, also Italian. These boys have beef like Fifty Cent and Floyd Mayweather, and <laughs> that's a pre-production tie-in. Um, uh, <laughs> David, uh, like there there was like. Pushing, shoving, fucking, there's beef there, and so um, it is um, speculated by Sky Sports that um, Tottenham's interim manager was like, oh, um, you know, Deserbi's just continuing Potter's, um, like where Potter left up off Deserby picked up so we actually have to give Grand Potter more credit and Deserby didn't really like that so there was beef there was beef on the benches and I'm here <laughs> for it David I, I fucking love it you uh, you know what it reminded you know what it reminded me of Conte like really and off Garfield no Conte <laughs> and Tommy Tactics earlier this season refusing to shake hands at the end um What's up with Tottenham managers having beef this season, David? 
I don't know what's in the air, Eddie, but what I do know is uh, that I'm here for it, and I want to see a all all star manager celebrity death match. Um, I want to be able to bet on Desarby, but a little piece of me wants Pep to be a last minute ad- addition to fuck everybody up and prove me wrong, no, just no, because. No. Part of me is a masochist. No, 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 no. I got it. I do agree with you, but instead of a instead of a death match, an over the top battle royal. Oh fuck! And, yeah, I'm listening. And <laughs> here's here's how I would book it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would get all the fired managers, so Conte, fucking Potter, all all them boys come back to. I. Would put in Thomas Frank from Brentford in at number two, and he'd go the whole way, and he would be Pep. <laughs> like they're the last two, and Thomas Frank goes for a top rope, like a top rope dive. Pep fucking, you know, grabs him midair, goes for the choke slam reversal. Thomas Frank puts him over the top rope. Hey. If, if we're into New York managers, be into Thomas Frank. If I'm Tottenham, like, I'm, I'm asking Brentford for permission to talk to him this summer. Like, I think Thomas Frank could do wonders at Tottenham. I'm, I'm just saying. I wouldn't wish Tottenham on any good manager. So that's the only piece I'm going to disagree with. But, Eddie, I have a piece that I'm willing to bet you're going to agree with. Okay. Eddie... Do you want to play a little game of two truths and a lie? I'm so in. I'm so in right now. All right, Eddie. I'm so glad you're in because to wrap up our manager's topic, I have three managers I'm going to throw at you. And in case you've never been part of this segment before, I am going to throw three. Well, let me. Rewind a little bit. I'm going to throw two facts and a lie at Eddie. He has to try to determine which two are facts, which one's a lie. He'll try to call me out, and we'll find out who's better at bullshitting uh, versus the other. Eddie, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So, Eddie, let's start actually, with Actually, your... David, 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 oh, wait. Oh, oh. Okay. Wait, uh, let me just say, I hope you booked this better than Triple H booked the main event of WrestleMania Night 2. Okay, go ahead. Hey, you fucking take that back out of your whore mouth, because we all know Vince McMahon fucked it up. But anyway, <laughs> if you're not into wrestling, then go fuck yourself. But if you are and you understood that, make sure you give us five stars. But, <laughs> Eddie, we're going to start with your boy. Um, We're going to start with your boy, Todd Bowley. Fuck Todd Bowley. <laughs> Are you ready to start this off, Eddie? Let's do it. All right, Eddie. So, Todd Bowley, here's the first one. I was part of the Landon School wrestling team that won team championships in 1990 and 1991. Number two, I was such class at wrestling that the school named their facilities the Bowley Family Wrestling Room. And number three is, 
I originally had plans to do professional wrestling by trying out for WCW, but Eric Bischoff wouldn't give me a chance, so I went into financing instead. Okay, I was going to say number two. I was definitely going to say number two. But as long as you had a pulse, Eric Bischoff was giving fucking anybody a contract in WCW. So it has to be number three, right? Yeah, it's number three. Yeah, yeah, number three was bullshit. So he never had a WCW, like, even ambition. Um, He did go to this private school called Landed School. He was part of the team that won championships in 1990 and 1991, graduated in 1991. Less meatheads, but still meatheads. And the fact that he wrestled and he's good, and then he fucks up Chelsea Football Club makes me hate him even more. Oh, Eddie, (laughs) there's a reason why I specifically went into wrestling with him. I knew I was going to bother you. I'm just disappointed that WCW didn't throw you for a win. Yeah, no, bro. Because um, if this was like 1998, how old is your son? He's almost three. Yeah. If, if if this was 1998 and, and Mateo was three, he could have got a contract at WCW. Like, they were just throwing away money, dude. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, pre- I'm pretty sure I have a contract with WCW that I just never cashed in on. But, Probably, um, <laughs> Eddie, are you ready for manager number two? Mm, definitely. Manager number two is my my boy. Thomas Tuchel, the one that I'll defend to the end, even though he was at Chelsea. So, Eddie, here are the three fast, quote-unquote, facts. Number one, my original ambitions were to be a footballer, but my shit knees forced me to retire at 25. Number two, I'm a business admin major who sucks at being a vegetarian, but I'm so good at tactics that I would come up with volleyball tactics in gym class. And number three, Reading is for the slow. Instead of reading, I'd rather see things happen. I'm going to go ahead and say one and three are facts and two is the lie. Yeah, business admin major who sucks at being a vegetarian, but he's so good at tactics. He came up with volleyball tactics in gym class. Yeah, because what does being a business admin major and like a, a vegetarian have to do? Like They don't correlate. Hey, fucking nothing, but the lie was reading is for the slow, that he would rather see things do it. Okay. Uh, he's actually an avid reader. He's super into reading. He's super into music, including hip-hop. Um, but he calls himself an imperfect vegetarian to where he eats me every once in a while. You know, It's not fully critical of it. Um, he was known at his uh, gym for sitting there and coming up with random volleyball tactics. And he tried to be a footballer, but he had a knee cartilage um, issue, which forced um, him to um, retire at 25. Um, I knew one was true because um, I heard that like he had to retire mad early. 
So I was like, 25 sounds about right. So so I knew one was true. <laughs> Had to be. But Eddie, are you ready for the one that I think is the most challenging one? Let's do it. Roy Hodgson, Eddie. So oh here God. we go. We're going to talk about the fucking fossil owl in Roy Hodgson. Um, probably deserves more respect than I give him, but you know, I'll still say that again. The owl fossil. He he still lost to Iceland. Like no matter how good he does at Palace, he lost to Iceland. That's, and that's, that's the only there. thing from the spot we remember. So, Roy Roy Hodgson, Eddie. Here we go. Number one, I was Crystal Palace's top scoring defender in the nineteen sixty five nineteen sixty six season. Number two, I played for Berea Park in South Africa in their whites-only league in the 70s. Number three, I've held uh, 25 managerial-slash-assistant roles in my career, which includes managing Inter. Okay. Okay, so... And I probably shouldn't bring his name up because he's been canceled, quote-unquote. But I will. So I remember watching uh, a True Jordy YouTube video after, like, the whole England um, losing the Iceland thing. It, it was either True Jordy or Spencer FC, uh, two English YouTubers. That's not the point. But one of them looked into, like, uh, Roy Hodgson's like managerial career, and was like, "Why is this guy even like England manager?" And um, he had coached a whole bunch of lower league teams and shit, and then somehow found his way into the England squad. And like, they went through every team in his career, and I don't think Inter was one of the teams. So I'm gonna say the Inter one is the lie. Well, Eddie, uh, let me tell you that I win this round of Two Truths and a Lie because Roy Hodgson did coach Inter as caretaker manager in the 1999 season. So wait, uh, wait, 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 was it the South Africa apartheid one? Oh, Eddie. Eddie, you, my sweet child. He it was number one in a racist ass fucking South African league. Dude, he's come out to have to try to defend himself for playing in that league, saying that. Uh, and, and look, and I'm gonna reiterate the whole he needed to defend himself thing because there was a sporting boycott in South Africa at the time. So it's not even like a oh I didn't know. He <laughs> so so he claims. <laughs> Yeah, he says that he was strictly there to play football. It was not a whole political thing that he doesn't agree with the politics of apartheid. But he was there. He fucking played, and it's acknowledged where we were all there. Uh, you know what, David? He he. You can't use that excuse once you fucking break the picket line, because if there's a sporting boycott. And you freaking cross that picket line, that's a choice. That's definitely a choice. 
Oh, it's 110 percent the choice, Eddie. So clearly, my lie was that he was Crystal Palace's top goal scoring defender in the 1965-1966 season. Eddie, do you care to know his statistics from the 65-66 season? I want to say, I I'd be honestly, I'd be surprised if he had more than two goals. Oh, Eddie, I'm about to shock you. Roy Hodgson was promoted from the Crystal Palace youth team in 1965. For the 65-66 season, he made exactly to the T zero appearances and zero goals. He was just part of the squad. <laughs> so, um, you got one right, at least. You know, you, you got your boy Bowley. You know? <laughs> Oh my God! Fuck that! Okay, semi-final. Uh, Barcelona having won the first leg one 0 at the Bernabeu, uh, which I believe pre-game, during the game, and post-game, I told you, Barca at the Bernabeu and the cup game, they're gonna take the dub. Sure enough, they won one 0 but a Vinny Junior. Goal with a Karim Benzema hat trick just blew Barcelona away. As the Barcelona fan of the pod, Eddie, how did it feel to watch this game? It was frustrating, and it's not just because we lost 4 0, it's how we lost. Like, in the first half, like, Barca were in it, Barca were decent, forced at least one good save. From Coachwell, where he had to like go full stretch, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then um, another header that was on target, but right at him. And then right before halftime, like Barca were attacking, the attack breaks down. Um, Real Madrid just countered, and like it, it. Went in over the net, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, we conceded, like, literally right before halftime. And so then they went into halftime, and I I blame myself. I personally jinxed it. I, I looked at my dad, and, and I was like, don't even trip. Like, we're going to score. Like, I, I said it just like this. I said, we're going to score. They probably will, too. But... The big thing is, is we can't let them get a third. And right after I said that, like, they got the second and third goal. And it was, it was pretty much over. Like, like, they went into the dressing room and physically came back out, but mentally stayed inside. Credit to Real Madrid as much as it hurts to say, like, um, I honestly think Real Madrid needed it more than Barcelona because they had just lost the... The classical basically giving us the league. For some reason, there's stupid rumors that they want to replace Ancelotti. I I don't understand it. I don't. Ancelotti's one of those managers that if he wants to leave, you say thank you so much for what you did for the club. Hopefully, you want to come back one day, but you don't force that man out the door. Um. So I think they needed him more than we did. Um. I'll be rooting for Osasuna to beat them in the final, of course. Um, but th- they played well. Th- they played like the European champions that they are. You know? 
as a, I know it doesn't, it probably doesn't hurt too much, right? Like, I mean, the Copa del Rey is the equivalent of the FA Cup in Spain. I'm sure you can live without the Copa <laughs> del Rey. Um, but Eddie, as a Barcelona fan, and I feel like maybe I know the answer to this, but uh, they're 13 points ahead. There are 10 games, meaning there's 30 points to play with. Do you think La Liga is still wrapped up, or would you be concerned about mentality issues? Well, let me put it to you like this, David. So, last week, midweek, Real Madrid beat Barcelona. We literally just talked about it. Now, yesterday, or no, Saturday, Villarreal ended up beating Real Madrid 3-2. I was out and about with my dad because my cousin's here from El Salvador, so we were just out and about doing stuff, showing him a good time. I, I showed my dad the score, and I said, we can go 15 points clear tomorrow. And, or I said tomorrow because I thought they were playing on Sunday. I didn't know they played today. Um, I said, we can go 15 points clear tomorrow, and I'll feel really good about winning the league. Lo and behold, they played at home today, played like shit, um, and got a draw. Uh, shout out to Sporting Gijon. Um, obviously, drawing with Barcelona is pretty important to them. But somehow, some way, like, there's no way Barca should lose five games out of the last ten. But if there was one league leader that could blow a 13-point lead, don't you think it would be Barcelona? I mean, yeah, yeah, probably will be. <laughs> I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm pretty sure we won the league, but there's still, like, at least a 30-35% like, part of my mind that's like, that league's not totally wrapped up yet. Uh, and I get your pain, Eddie, because we're about to talk about mine. Uh, let's shift over to the Premier League here as we start to uh, wind down here, go on to the other side of the the pod uh, to the unwind side. Let's talk Premier League, Eddie. Uh, Arsenal still leading the league. They're six points ahead with a game more than Manchester City, who sits six points behind. They can't theoretically cut the lead down to three. Tell me real quick, Eddie, do you think Arsenal will choke and drop the title to City? Or in Arteta, do you trust? You know what, David, and especially because uh, you've said it a couple times on the pod um, already, and I, I, I do have to, uh, I do have to agree. Um, Liverpool have been super mid uh, this season. Um, I know it's hard for you to admit, being that Manchester United got beat by them. Uh, 7-0 earlier, but Anfield is a tough place to play. But if Arsenal had managed to get three points at Anfield, don't you kind of feel it would be like one hand on the trophy? But Liverpool get getting a point out of that kind of puts Manchester City in the, hey, we control our destiny, 
And they play each other in like two weeks. So Arsenal v Man City on April 26th could decide the league. A league that just a week ago we thought was wrapped up. You feel me? Yeah, I mean, if Mo Salah converts the penalty he missed, it's a 3-2 game. So I wouldn't be as confident in the Gunners if I was a Gunner. Uh, I'd be a little paranoid. You know what? Uh, They might not be able to come all the way through, uh, but that's just me. Eddie, you know... Arteta, I, I want to stress that Arteta is not a bad manager, but I do want to stress, Eddie, that the cracks are showing. Uh, do you feel that this is more of a city have to show more consistency issue, or is this clearly a Arsenal just have to keep winning these points kind of issue. Look, in, in in the past six years, David, how many titles have City won? Is it four or five? Probably five, right? Yeah, I want to say you're right. So, outside of Holland and Grealish, who are like the new guys to the squad, even though Grealish was there last season, um, like this team knows how to win the league, so of course you you do want to be leading at this point, obviously. But if you can't be in the lead, you want to be second with the team that's never done it before, or you know Arsenal have won the league before, but their current squad hasn't done it before, you know. So the pressure's all on Arsenal to get this done. And think about it, David. It has to be the season. Because once Ten Hag gets the players he wants, Manchester United's coming. If Newcastle holds on to the fourth spot, Newcastle's coming. You know Pep and his boys are always going to be there. Even once Pep leaves, if Pep ever decides to leave, Man City is going to be there. So, on paper at least, this is the last time Arsenal could compete for a league title unless they get taken over by a country. I mean, fair. The the other side of that is they have great young talent in Gabriel Jesus and Saka, Martinelli, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, your boy, Eddie Nketiah. But, Eddie, we touched top half, we touched bottom half. Let me try to change the narrative on the team before we move on to another competition because we're almost out of time. I, I, think, I think I'm reading your mind, and I think I'm about to agree. Oh, we're going to find out. Spurs, Eddie, they're... Three points behind Newcastle and Man United. Man United and Newcastle both on 56 points with a game in hand. 
And I'm not trying to say that Newcastle, or I'm sorry, that Spurs will beat out one of these teams for a Champions League spot. But what I do want to ask you, Eddie, is considering how consistent Arsenal and Man City have been, top two has been the wrap. Eddie Howe has done wonders at Newcastle. They've only lost three games all season, Eddie. And their goal difference is 27. You got to respect them. They kind of deserve top four. United didn't start strong, but they're starting to show why they hired Tin Hogg and why he believed in top four. But Tottenham isn't that far off. They're in the middle of a so-called crisis season. Maybe not as much as Chelsea, Liverpool kind of crisis. But considering, just taking everything in and putting everything into perspective, are Tottenham actually overachieving instead of underachieving? 100% they're overachieving. Here's why. Because, yes, Tottenham are extremely talented. Everyone knows, and I'll say it until I can't say it anymore, I think Youngman's son is world-class. I don't give a fuck what you say. When he's in form, he's one of the best players in the world. Um, But Tottenham have had a manager that, for one reason or another, didn't believe in the squad. Threw the whole squad under the bus, and not even like Jose Mourinho style. I'm a, the special one. I know what I'm doing. He threw them under the bus, and like, I may not get another top job here, so I have to sacrifice them to save me. Type of way, and um, Rodrigo Betancourt from Uruguay is such a key piece to this squad that the moment he went down, more cracks started to appear. Like, he was cement. He was papering over the cracks. That's how important he is. Then he goes down and shit hit the fan. But, David, let me bring something up real quick. Um, I want to take a look at the team right under Spurs. Um, Aston Villa, ever since our boy, uh, Mr. Goodipening, came in, they're sixth. I want to bring this up. Let's say Tottenham shit the bed, David. And can you see Mr. Goodipening getting his team into the Europa League? For real. Like... Like, let's be real. In December, if I would have told you, hey, David, Aston Villa have a legit shot at Europa at the end of the season, you would have thought I was on crack. I mean, if if he pulls it off, I think it'll be proof that Unai Emery is probably the most underrated manager. I think it would just confirm it a thousand percent. Um, you know, he he deserves a lot more credit, uh, more than anybody I think that we can refer to will give him. 
Um, he was sacked unfairly from PSG, in my opinion. And he took well, a lot Arsenal, of shit. Not really, but still. No, I mean he took more shit in Arsenal than he probably should have taken. In, in all honesty, yeah. At least that's that's what I think. Um, he, he got Villarreal to a Champions League semifinal. And he he made good use of that semifinal. I mean, he he made it happen. Eddie, we're, we're running out of time, and, and I really want to be able to talk about this. So let's talk Champions League. Let's do um, it. You know, the, what is it, the quarters are happening. Yes. Um, at time of recording, Benfica and Inter will do battle, be, um, as will Bayern and City right before Chelsea and Real. Uh, Milan taking on Napoli. Eddie, between Benfica, Inter, Milan, Napoli, who do you think picks the fan? Uh, Inter haven't been that impressive, so you kind of have to. Bad Benfica here now. Uh, so for me, Benfica over two legs against Inter. It's this other game that you mentioned that I'm really interested in, David, because on one end, Napoli have run away with Serie A. They're the expected champions. But this past weekend, AC Milan spanked them boys 4-0. And it's like, okay. Like, are, are you guys saving it for the Champions League? Did you guys take your foot off the gas? Like, what's up? You know? What's a better story, Eddie? Napoli winning the Champions League or Milan winning the Champions League? Oh, I, I hate you for this question because, like... David, growing up, like, AC Milan, like, were a scary-ass team, you know? And so, a part of me um, is always going to want them to do well. But then you have SS Napoli, who, they almost never win the league. Um, I don't even know of the last time that they were in a... European quarterfinal. So the underdog in me wants to root against Milan, but let's be honest, Milan kind of feels like the underdog as well. So I'm, I don't know, but it, it, it would be poetic that the within the calendar year of Argentina winning La Tercera, that Napoli uh, would, would win the Champions League. So yeah, we, at least we could hope, right? Like we, we would hope that Napoli can do something of history, something of no. Uh, uh, David, real quick, just a quick question. I promise. Okay. Um, how do you feel about people calling up Cavaradona? Cavaradona. I think um, be consistent, kid. Um, I'm not saying he can't reach the heights of football. I think he's shown enough promise to where we can at least make an argument that he's one of the next big things. 
but yes. I would just beg for the consistency to be there. Um, I want him to succeed, Eddie. I think we're overdue a top talent and a top player uh, to replace and compete with the top in the world. I know we have Killian. I know we have Erling Haaland. But give me a super young talent that could not just competes with them, but makes other past talents feel like they're actually slacking it. Um, and and also, David, I, I feel like at least you and I, not just for the Maradona comparison, but because we're Guatemalan and we'll probably never see Guatemala in a World Cup, even with an expanded field, I would love to see him drag Georgia to a World Cup. You know, just to be like, fuck, underdogs can get to the World Cup, you know? Oh, that's that's all we could hope for at this point, Eddie. But uh, let, let me ask you about the other side of this coin, Eddie. Now, we talked underdogs. Let's talk top competitors. On the other side of the coin, it's going to be Real, Chelsea, either City or Bayern. I mean, they're, they're, they're the bigger teams of this competition, at least current bigger teams. Eddie, of those teams, who would you rather see make the final? Ooh. Just to be consistent, just to be on brand with Eddie, uh, Bayern München. And let's be real. We all know why I can't pick Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, we all know Frank Lampard's Chelsea have no chance. And I respect Kevin De Bruyne. I respect Erling Haaland's uh, ballers. But nobody wants Man City winning a Champions League. Let's be real. Oh, I, I have to say that I must agree, Mr. Eddie. I think City wins the Champions League. It just proves that the Champions League is corrupt and it's all about money. That's just my not-so-very-humble opinion. Um, if Bayern doesn't win, Eddie, how would you feel? How bitter would you feel if Real Madrid just solidifies their legacy and get Champions League number 15? Um, to be honest with you, not too bitter. Look, I, I hate to see them succeed. I truly do. But at this point, I'm just used to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, let's be real. Like, like say next season, 23-24, let's say Real Madrid go out in the round of 16. Wouldn't you just be shocked? Like, wouldn't it just be like, what the fuck is happening right now? I mean, I'd rather see them go out so early so we know we're going to get a new champion, but I get what you mean. Yeah. But, Eddie, with that said, we're right around the wind-down time. So let me ask you, do you have any last words for our fans? Uh, yes. Boca Juniors has a new manager, and we're still shit. <laughs> uh, nah. um, um, other than that, uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, we know it's been a minute. Um, David and I have just been going through a whole lot of shit um and we appreciate you guys for listening 
Um, we love doing this. Uh, comment, rate, subscribe, email us, talk shit, tell us we suck. We don't care. Just interact. And uh, we love you guys. Take care. Yes, sir. And I couldn't have said that better myself. Please make sure you follow the link tree and you share us. The pod has been growing, even with us hitting a couple roadblocks. But you guys are awesome. We appreciate the love. We appreciate all the feedback. So make sure you follow us on socials and give us that feedback. We keep this trend going. We're probably going to do, if not one, a couple more jersey giveaways. I have way too much of an overcrowded closet with jerseys that have never seen the sunlight. So if you're into jerseys and possibly rare ones, share and subscribe. You will go ahead and get yourself entered into an opportunity to win one. So with that said, thank y'all so much. Y'all can really handle the pressure from the spot. But don't forget to share. Night. Night.